Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. We're starting out this year with, uh, I think maybe one of my, going to be one of my favorite episodes with Nick Gracie. Um, Nick kind of calls it like he sees it, so uh, we'll see what everybody thinks. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to some people from last year that really helped. Um, the three M's at Rev3, Mark, Mike, and Margo for, uh, kind of, uh, giving me a chance. Thank you. Um, the Primal Quest crew, Maria, Paul, Dave, especially Maria, who I probably gave a little, a little too much, um, feedback let's say during the race but uh thanks for for having me out there uh warren for being a cool race director and having some good quotes for me uh, let's see craig for the world series just kind of uh bringing it all on uh doug and julie at uh maya mountain um for and Nars kind of, kind of uh, giving me, giving me the opportunity to do some of the stuff. Uh, of course, all the racers that uh, I dealt with over the uh, year, um, probably especially Team Bones that uh, kept me from spending the night on the Rubicon Trail. So thank you for that. And I guess uh, most importantly, oh the two, the Chili Dog that just came down to see me. Uh, for spending all the time on trail with me and for uh thanks to paulette for uh letting me do all this foolishness um, um and there's probably a whole bunch of other people and there's floppy because he's just a good guy and um everybody that's been on the on the podcast uh, can't say that there's been a bad one so that's a shout out to all you guys so um that's it new year uh, lots of cool stuff happening so hey go fast take chances and thanks for okay listening. now i can see everything i like to keep an eye on my recording stuff to make sure that we don't have to redo this <laughs> yeah yeah never so uh looks like you're kind of being comfortable there yeah i am bizarre enough we had our carpets and sofa clean today and they're still drying <laughs> out so i i'm actually it's about the only place in the house I can come and it's quiet. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good excuse. Yeah. Not the fact that uh, you're probably uh, trying to recover from a killer race, huh? <laughs> yeah, definitely recovering from that race. And I had a really bad virus last week, actually, for um, that threw me a bit. So I was, I was in bed all last week, actually. But I felt, I felt fine now. I went for a bike ride today, so... I'm probably back to normal, but um, yeah, I'm a bit, still a bit tired from the race, I suppose. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hear you. People have heard enough about my story being sick coming back from Primal Quest, but um, so do you, were you sick from the race, or did you just come back and get something? No, I think I was just. I came back. I was back home for about two days, and then I have an annual trip with my friends from school, and uh, we went mm-hmm. to Lisbon for a weekend and. That probably didn't help. And then <laughs> I think I just got, I've got three young kids. So I pick, you know, there's always loads of bugs flying around. So I think I just picked up something from them. I don't think it was anything to do from Brazil, but 
because my body was probably so my immune system was so down and my was just run down from the race that my body probably didn't fight things as well as it would, it would normally yeah yeah i think that's kind of one of the hazards right coming coming back even if you don't come back sick you're so worn down oh totally and what was worse about this race was that we kind of finished so late we finished like the day the race finished which is is very rare to be honest i can't think i've ever done that before actually so we finished about i don't know seven or eight o'clock in the morning we had went and had some breakfast and then we basically cleaned our kit for the rest of the day went to the prize giving went to bed and then flew home so it was like there was no time to chill out after the race or very limited amount of time yeah yeah i know i've talked to some of the people that had like six hours to get ready to to get yeah. on the shuttle to get home <laughs> it's like, yeah the estonians right. they probably worse yeah um it's yeah, actually really i talked to talked to silver two days oh, ago yeah. this That's is yeah this has been a i think you're the my eighth interview from the world. I was going to say, yeah, you've been pretty busy, actually. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun because I'm getting, I'm starting to get a real sort of a feel about what you guys went through, kind of in a, you know, yeah. in a sitting in a comfortable chair way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a lot easier yeah. to look back on these things. I mean, to be honest, I did enjoy the race. I enjoyed the uh, the place was amazing. Like it is a pretty magical place. And we did see some amazing, I mean, it, I've never raced anywhere with such good wildlife. And it was, it was like racing in a zoo. I mean, I said it in my race report, but it was, it was like you were surrounded by amazing animals in the water, you know, mammals, birds, everything. It was pretty, it was awesome. It just the, the all race organizers just made it way too long. As, and, and they have done the last three or four years. They've all made the race mm -hmm. world champs just too long. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Pat Roth section was probably the real crux of where it all probably came a bit. Undone. But, um, yeah, they just, if it hadn't been so long and they'd cut some stages out either before the race has even started or realised the teams were taking longer than they had planned, then it would have been actually a really good event. But it was just too long. It was like two days, hmm. three days too long, really. Yeah. Why do you think... You know, and my joke has been, you know, two years ago, everybody thought Costa Rica was a hard race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you think race directors have done that? I mean, everything is just kind of, in the last year, it seems like Expedition Alaska was long and hard and, and even Cowboy Tough and, and Primal Quest. And is the pendulum swinging too far? Oh, I th I th I'm not sure anyone's actually... What's the worrying thing is I don't think people are actually doing it intentionally. I yeah. just think there's a lot of quite inexperienced people planning races. And if you're good at planning a race, you mm -hmm. should know within a matter of four to six hours when the finishing team's going to finish. And, yeah. you know, they got it horribly wrong in Costa Rica. Ecuador wasn't as bad, but it was still a bit on the long side. Um, mm -hmm. But Brazil was terribly long. I mean, way it was two or three days longer than it should have been for. I mean, Seagate should be winning these races in four and a half, five days at the most, and yeah. it took them almost seven. And it's just way too long. And I just think it's down to people who race organisers who just are not that experienced at organising races. It's as simple that they might go out and do a couple of stages, and but they don't do it. They don't work out mathematically how long it's going to 
you know, if you do stage after stage after stage on top of each other, how long it's actually going to take the whole race. They just could make think, think things are going to be a lot easier than they are, and they're not. So, especially in the, in Brazil as well, it was the the heat definitely slowed everyone down by by <laughs> by a half a day, if not a, a whole day. You're right. Can you talk? Yeah, come in quickly. I'm on being recorded, right? Nothing. Nothing. Um, one of the parts was in the car, but I couldn't know. Ah, right, that's interesting. Sorry, Randy. Um, <laughs> that, not a problem. Yeah, that's, what, that's what makes our podcast so special, the lack of professionalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's probably in your house, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think it's just down to, I mean, like Pongo, the guy who organised the race in Costa Rica, really nice guy. Mm. I mean, all these people are really nice. There's nothing against yeah. them, but they're just not, you know, you look at someone like Warren, who organises God's Own every year, and it's down to, yeah. you know, it's down to a couple of hours, or people who really know what they're doing. And I think James Thurlow at the Itera race in the UK, He's he's got it down to like he knows when the team's gonna be finishing within about two hours and it's always really accurate. So um, yeah, yeah, it's just down to people who aren't ex- that experienced in doing these things, planning races. Yeah, well, especially at a at this level at the World Championship, it's yeah. It, I mean, you did have. I mean, my my I think the learning from this is that I mean I'm I'm I don't think the next World Champs will be a problem because Craig. No. And Louise put on an excellent race. Um, yeah. And XPD will be fine. But the year after that, I think you, depending where it is, I mean, if it's somewhere where the people are organised, they think it'll be fine. So, like, Godzone would be fine. Itera would be fine. Expedition Africa yeah. would be fine. But maybe the and Raid in France will probably be fine. But anywhere else, I think you probably need to get someone who, two races or X races mm-hmm. to go yeah. and do the course and actually yeah. say, You've got this way wrong. This is way too long and hard. So um, yeah, yeah. You, they, it needs to be. I mean, especially at the world champs level, it needs to be much better. I mean, the, I mean, this this race had missing checkpoints, checkpoints in the wrong place, but poor information about there was. We were told where was a good place to sleep, and then we turned up there, and it was a terrible place to sleep, and there was actually nowhere to sleep. Um, so just bits of really basic information that were just it was it was poorly communicated. Yeah, well, I had a long chat yesterday with Warren, and we decided maybe that like some sort of semi-retired Kiwi racer should maybe be the adventure racing czar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, Nathan would be good because he's very experienced, and to be yeah. honest, he, I mean, I mean, every time we look at a race course, you can look at it and just go very quickly. No way we're going to take we're going to do that that quickly. You just know you're yeah. not. And especially when you factor in sleep and you factor in the fact that you're going to spend a little bit of time lost or not going in the right direction, then everything just gets, you know, knocked on a bit, really. And it, yeah. I mean, certainly for me, like the world champs, you know, it's we go there to race. That's the primary reason. But it's also a holiday. And at the end of that race, I would have loved two or three days. What everyone wants is to sit around, eat some ice cream, Talk to the mm. other teams, have a chat, tell stories, and then go to the prize giving and have a bit of a party. Whereas this year it was like the prize giving; it, it was the worst prize giving I've ever been to by a long way. That's for sure. No one mm. was interested. Everyone just wanted to go home and sleep. Yeah, yeah. 
and I, my experience is, is the prize giving is not a place where you can sit and chat because they've got to have the pomp and circumstances and the band and the music and, and make it a party. And yeah, and you guys don't want to do that. You want to like, how the hell did you get to that checkpoint? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You want to compare stories and yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it was good in some ways because we were all staying at the same hotel and it would have been a perfect environment to do it. But it mm -hmm. just they just run out of time. You shouldn't be have, yeah. having that many teams finishing on the last day. I mean, no, we were the second team to finish. We were, I don't know, we finished 20 minutes behind Seagate. And there were teams, you know, all over the place, all over the, basically, just, it was, it seemed pretty chaotic, to be honest, towards the end of the race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you think that this race is finally... Um, going to make make it okay for people to complain, to criticize races. Uh, did something Warren and I talked about how that the uh, the family of adventure racers are very they don't want to criticize anybody, even if it needs to be said. But and I think a lot of the criticism I've heard is is you know or constructive for the race. So do you think maybe yeah, yeah. now? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I mean, it's a funny one because with this race, they definitely, I mean, if you look at the amount of teams that entered, it's the lowest number of teams that have entered the World Championships, I think probably ever. And a, and that's a lot down to probably the location where people are going, and maybe the organisers too, I mean, they haven't got a great track record. Uh, you know, the last race they had, they cancelled about three weeks before the race started. And that just mm -hmm. gives everyone a bit of the jitters. It's like, are they going to cancel it? You know, I'm going to Pantanal. And then also, apart from that, one thing that I thought was a bit unnecessary, especially after doing the race, is that everyone had to get a pack raft. So you've got the cost of the race, you've got the cost of getting there and all that stuff. But then you have to buy a pack raft too. And it's a big cost. And I'm probably, yeah. probably never going to use it again. And you're thinking, well, do we really need to buy these things? And, they could have had such. They had. They could have had an absolutely fine race without pat rafting. Didn't need to have the pat rafting. It didn't really, you know. I mean, certainly there's only five teams that actually probably use their pat raft properly, and yeah. it was just another another expense. And um, yeah, I mean, you've got to. I gave them a lot of credit for going somewhere that remote and wild and taking us there. Uh, and so that's a massive bonus plus about the whole race. But they definitely got a lot of things really wrong, and mm. so yeah, you have to criticise them. You can't not. And when you've spent X thousand dollars and you're away from your family for two weeks, you're right. You have the right to be a bit like, "Come on, guys, you should have done a better job than that." Really. Yeah, yeah, I, <clears throat> I think so. And I, you know, hey, maybe this is a turning point. You know. Yeah. So, some yeah. eventually, there's got to be a turning point, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I mean. I Craig, Craig has just been. I mean, he's desperate. You know, he's, he can't find races that want to put on the world championships because it's the kiss of death. I mean, I can't see commotion. I mean, I wish them well, but I can't see them. I don't know anyone who go back who would do, go back and do an e-commotion race again. Sorry, they're not called e-commotion. Whatever they're called now, I forget even what they're called. Liga Outdoor. But I yeah. just can't see them. I think they've lost a huge amount of credibility. And if you look at Costa Rica, I mean, Ecuador's a pretty solid race actually, and that's happening next year. But normally, if you run the world championships, your business pretty much goes out of business. So it's not a great, yeah. not a great thing. Well, and I, yeah, and I think that 
people tend to forget that that it is a business. Yeah, you know, for for them. So, um, yeah, um, support those. They just got to get it right. You know, if you went yeah. anything you buy, anytime you buy a product, and that product doesn't quite do what you you were hoping it to do, then you mm -hmm. have the right to complain. And and I think a lot of people from this race did that. I mean, well, at least we got to race quite a lot. Of course, I've no, I haven't really spoken into the really slow teams that got really yeah. short course, but. I don't know what their experience was. If it was really terrible as well, I'm not. I'm just not quite sure. But can't imagine they would have had that great a time. I've talked to let's well, let's see, Eric from Yoga Slackers, and uh, let's see, I can't even remember everybody. It, honestly, I think maybe they were. It was okay because, you know, everybody got to TA six, and then but the slower teams ha had no saying what they were doing it, it, yeah. which I think was fine for them they were just said okay this is what we're going to do um, you know of course there was some confusion when they got on the bike um, I talked to Jason Erkvitz last night and he didn't even know what uh, where they dropped him off of the airplane what section of biking they were doing <laughs> really? so, yeah um, so I, I I'm not sure that they didn't have a good time um, I think because they had actually less um, confusion about what they were doing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I think you guys, there was a lot of confusion with you guys, wasn't there? <laughs> I suppose, well, the full, we, I mean, the full teams, I suppose, the full good, strong teams that got stuck. So us, Techno, um, Merrill, and the Raid Lights team. So mm -hmm. the te teams that came 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth. We probably had the most frustrating race because we went out. I mean, we we were the team that went out and did that started that Pat Ross stage. Yeah. We, we started in daylight in good spirits. We were pre-rested. We'd had a massive sleep a few hours beforehand. Um, we were feeling really good, and we got there, and it was just very confusing. It was in, virtually impossible. You couldn't find this trail, and in hindsight, no one found this trap. They just went for it, and we were yeah. nervous about doing that. And in the end, we thought we'll come back and we'll do it in daylight. And then it's when we came back, we heard that teams were taking like Seagate and had been gone 30 hours and weren't near the finish yet. And you started to think, hold on, it's Thursday. And by the time we got up, in the, got up on Thursday morning, it was five o'clock in the morning. We had planned to go again at five in the morning at first light. And we had our pat rafts pumped up, everything. We were ready to go. And then we we went and found out where all the teams, and we'd heard that two, two uh, Columbia had pressed their yellow emergency button. Mm -hmm. uh, all the teams on the course were miles away from finishing, and you're thinking it's Thursday morning. It's going to take us probably the best part of two days to finish this. So we might be finishing Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning, and our flight is Sunday Sunday basically. The race finishes on Saturday morning or Saturday lunchtime. We're like, we're not going to finish the race. We're going to be stuck 200 kilometers from the finishing line. And we're just going to finish this pack raft section because at the end of the pack raft, you only had that hike as well. And it, yeah. you're just thinking, this is not enough time to finish the race. It's too late. It's just they planned it so badly now because the Estonian team had left 12 hours before us. And if you mm -hmm. think when that Estonia team finished, they finished at eight o'clock on Saturday night, and they had a, they started twelve hours 
before we would have stopped yeah. us, uh, our four teams had started that stage. So unless for some magical reason we'd found some super crazy good route, which I don't think existed, we would have all been finishing like on Saturday, you know, Saturday night. We would have missed people mm-hmm. who were missing their flights, or they've had yeah. to fly us back from the end of the pack Ross stage. Or it was just crazy. And God, yeah. God, to think about slow teams there. I mean, I saw some of the the slow teams there who were just really doing it for fun. Some of the Brazilian teams. There's no way they would have got through that stage. They'd have had to been rescued. And it was just, I mean, you know, I mean, we came back and we didn't say to any teams, don't go out and do it. We just mm-hmm. said, just, just have a look at, just think how long, think what's going to, how this is going to pan out. Yeah. You know, you, you'll, we'll get through the stage. I know we're not going to die or anything like that. It was more like, we're just going to run out of time. There's just not enough yeah. time left to race it. So, um, yeah, sorry, this is my, one of my yeah. little friends. Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, no, how are you doing? Adventure I'm the uh, patron saint of adventure racing, according to Journey Racing. <laughs> he knows lots of people, and he's, he's kind of he's he's doing an interview at the moment with me. Yeah. So you're going to be on the interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you need to get. So what, why, what, wait, are you doing this interview right now? This second, you're in it, this is it, this is yep. it. No. Yes, we are. Yeah. It's just rolling, it's live. No, it's a Facebook thing. Yeah, it is, that's what we're reading. <laughs> Randy can record yeah. off his computer in America. But I'm through his video. Well, come on, you, you went to bed. Good night. Yeah. Sorry. No. Yeah, no, that, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So... I mean, it was just, it was just, yeah, just a matter of time, really, is all it was. You just didn't have enough time. And you also, I'm also, I mean, in hindsight, we can, we should have, when we got to where we turned around that night, Jules, Ben, leave and just walk, please. Um, And, um, (laughs) yeah, it was just, we should have gone for it. But in hindsight, we were thinking, we haven't even got that much food with us. Yeah. And do we really want to just start walking through a swamp at night? We'd already seen a few sort of alligators pretty close up at night, and it was like it yeah. didn't really bother us again. And and the, and the other team just dealt with it. But we just, I think if we'd had more daylight, we'd have felt a lot better, you know, getting another yeah. five kilometres into that stage and getting a feel mm-hmm. for it. Because so far we'd actually been just been paddling and walking. The only we'd only done a little bit of walking in the swamp. And it wasn't great, and you're thinking, God, if we've got to do this for 10, 20 kilometres at night, yeah, you know, this is going to be really tough. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Right? We definitely made the right call at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what do you think of your reputation as the leader of the leader of the revolt at TA6? <laughs> oh well, I mean, to be honest, I was probably the most- I, I, I mean, I think of all the people there, I'm the only one who's actually probably designed a, a race. And so, I mean, yeah. along with Warren, I mean, I've designed a couple of adventure races. And uh, we were probably the most experienced there. And yeah. our team was in really good shape. I mean, if you look to the Merrill team, Graham was in not in a great way. He, mm-hmm. he they Merrill had been there for 12 hours. He'd been on a drip, getting his foot sorted out. Uh, yeah. Jason and the Techno team, his feet were in a right mess. Um, and I think the Frenchies looked pretty st- pretty strong. They would have been fine. 
Um, they're a good team. Um, and I just think we would all have had a really miserable time, to be honest. We wouldn't have, yeah. you know, it would have been great to have got through it and said we did it. But at the same time, it would have been miserable. I mean, I know Columbia, the Columbia guys hated it. I mean, they mm. were crying. It was that bad. Yeah. Wow. And I know that the Estonians hated it as well. I think a lot of credit to Seagate. You know, they actually quite enjoyed it. And, you know, they said they'd never done anything quite like that in a race before. And I think Hagloff did the same thing. Uh, they said they quite enjoyed it. And I think if you kind of, you know, those two teams are obviously so much stronger than other teams that it does, you know, their skill and their um, their navigating skill and their strength really showed in that race. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, it was definitely weeded out the men from the boys, if you like. But I, I mean, normally <laughs> that's a stage that we would embrace. We like those tough stages. Yeah. Um, but again, we weren't dealing with the heat very well. I mean, certainly me and Warren were really struggling in it a bit, to be honest. And. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've no problem. It wasn't. I wouldn't call it a revolt. I was just like seeing sense, and you could see what was yeah. going to pan out. And you know, you could just do the maths in your head, and it was simple. I mean, if Shuby had let teams go out on that right on that course, she would have had a serious, serious problem with that race. I mean, it yeah. was pretty chaotic, yeah. was, but at least you could manage it from where we all were. There was an airfield mm-hmm. there. If we'd all been, if she'd had fifteen teams scattered in that swamp with no way of getting people out of there, people definitely would have missed their flights, for sure. Yeah. Well, if not, worse. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. all you needed someone to have a really bad, serious incident there. Oh, and I don't, I don't know what she had in, in up her sleeve. I don't think she only had, had a helicopter on standby. So I think she would have really been in... They, people have been in, in real harm's way. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, here's the other controversy so to speak what do you think about using the yellow brick the estonians and columbia yeah i mean that was another thing that we we had in the back of our head it couldn't have been more crystal clear when we got given those yellow bricks it was they Mm -hmm. gave us a talk and the first thing they said was it it was so simple if you use the yellow brick you'll be disqualified it was like in black and white there was no what if you do this? There was no ifs and buts. If you use it, you're mm-hmm. disqualified. As soon as we heard Columbia used it, we assumed they had been disqualified. And the fact you yeah. use it means that you're in right trouble. It's not like yeah. you're going, oh, do you know what? Let's just maybe ask them a question. But you, everyone knew if you pressed the button, you were basically disqualified. And I find it outrageous that they could just change the rules as they went along. I mean, to me, that is what other sporting event in the world would ever change the rules as they went along yeah. you know yeah. it, it's it that is, to me was really really poor cool. i mean you know i don't want to see columbia and the estonians disqualified it doesn't i don't want to it wasn't about what our ranking position it's just about the, the reality it's the rule a rule mm-hmm. is a rule you've got to stick to the rules otherwise you know it just it becomes a fast so um yeah and i think that was crazy and i understood what I think the problem was Columbia. From what I understand, talking to the Columbia guys, they they'd had enough. They were ready. Yeah. They, they 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 pressed it to quit. But okay. because the race organisers couldn't actually get them out of there, they said the only way you can get out of there is if you walk out of there. So they mm-hmm. sent them coordinates to help them walk out of there and get them out of there. And it took them 55 hours in the end. But because they got out of there and carried on racing, 
they let them carry on race and that's kind of fair enough I understand what they did but still they pressed a yellow brick and, and the rules were so clear there was no ambiguity yeah. about it so I think that was very poor on their behalf and the same with the IVs was I don't mind people getting IVs no one had an issue with that but mm-hmm. they should have said beforehand if you're going to use an IV there's you get you get a six hour penalty because you can race yeah. a lot harder if you know you can get an IV mm-hmm. or yeah. and as soon as you get an IV you feel way you feel brilliant you feel like a new person and it's just unfair you can't have half some of the field racing without IVs and some racing with IVs it's just it's, it makes it impossible it's so unfair and in, especially with the last four years of Lance Armstrong and Olympic doping and, and I know in yeah. America football is pretty big at the moment and stuff like that you know it's crazy they were allowing doping in the race the race organisers were allowing doping in the race it's just it was to me it was way they stepped over way stepped over the line massively yeah yeah i yeah i think there should have been some um penalty you know yeah you know okay definitely. say okay, okay. And it, i was gonna say maybe maybe you don't disqualify him but give him a 12-hour penalty for using the yellow brick i mean you know if you're switching rules in the middle of the race you know you can switch yeah. penalties in the middle of the race <laughs> They did no. get penalty. The guys who used yellow brick did get a twelve-hour penalty. Oh, but did they? It was kind of a because they had, they, they it didn't affect their position. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they were in the, mm-hmm. the five teams that went through the pat rafting stage, so yeah. it really didn't make. I mean, it did make a slight difference because I think Colombia caught up with um, the Swedish Armed Forces team, so it did affect the third and fourth position. Um, but still, yeah, and but no one got a penalty for using the, the IV. And yeah. it, what again, it was a thing that the Adventure Racing World Series rules and the rules of Shubi's race mm-hmm. were different. You know, they weren't yeah. matching up and it doesn't make any, any sense. I mean, it just yeah. makes the sport look a sham. It makes the sport look really poor. I mean, some of yeah. my spot, our sponsors have read the race report and like, you know, kind of what sort of sport is that? It's a bit weird, isn't it? How the rules were changed during the race, and it's adventure racing has lost a lot of credibility because of that race. Yeah, well, I, I said to somebody one time, this is the one time it's a good thing it's not a mainstream sport because yeah. most people aren't yeah. hearing how <laughs> screwed up it kind of was. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, if it'd been a proper sport with, you know, live TV coverage and stuff like that, or so, I mean, they. It's easy because, especially because it was so remote, it wasn't that well covered. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, it would have been an absolute farce. So exactly. Um, here on a little lighter note, did you even bother to bring your pack home that the ants got hold of? No, I chucked it in a bin. <laughs> <laughs> Those uh, ants, I thought they were some army ants, but we—it was probably the lowest point of the race. Me and Warren were—it was right in the heat of the day when we were in the mountain range and it was a beautiful place it's amazing but we stopped and there was this really nice shady spot and it was like there was no grass or anything like that I thought oh, that looks a great spot to rest and we laid down and Guy and Sarah went to find some water and within minutes we were literally covered in ants and they mm. were bitey ants and we stood up and brushed them all off but we left our gear there thinking it'd be alright came back and they'd eaten through everything insane <laughs> Crazy things. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. 
pretty. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the jaguars and the alligators and the stingrays. It's the no, ants that'll get you. <laughs> it's actually, there's yeah. a really interesting program on um, British TV at the moment. It's called The Hunt by David Attenborough. And um, it's all about uh, prey and predators, basically. And he, they've just done one, the, and the latest episode was on the jungle, basically. And they were saying the most dangerous thing in the jungle by a long way are ants. Biggest killer. Huh. They kill like something like an, an, a, you know, an army ant sort of colony kills something like 37,000 insects in a day incredible so. oh it's amazing it's absolute they're amazing creatures they really are I've got a lot of respect for ants now to be honest <laughs> don't like them much, yeah. but I've got a lot of respect for them <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about the, the new team yeah yeah how did yeah. Uh, how did that happen well, basically, we've been, um, I suppose from a, I suppose from the team name point of view, we've mm. always been sponsored by Adidas for a while. We've been sponsored by a, a strand of Adidas called Terex. And mm. Adidas Terex is like their outdoor range. And they launched it probably about five years ago. And it just hasn't really worked in the UK. Um, I think it's a very competitive market, especially, I mean, it is where, in every country, but the UK is... I think people who out, people who are into the outdoors are quite um, particular about the brand they wear. So North Face mm. is big, but you've also got things mm. like Hagloss, you've got Mountain Equipment, Rab, Outkit, lots of kind of small niche quite cool brands. And I don't mm -hmm. think British consumers saw Adidas, which is such a broad brand, as a brand that worked for them. So the brand never got any traction in the UK, and eventually Adidas mm. just said, look, you know, we just can't support you guys anymore because the brand is not working. The Adidas Terex brand is not working. Yeah. So we basically needed a new sponsor. And Warren is obviously, he's, you know, the God's Own uh, Adventure Race has done very well. Uh, you know, it's the race that's selling out. It's the race to probably the race to do. Very well yeah. organized, very slick. And, um, and he just thought, oh, it makes sense for us to have an adventure race team to go out and prom help promote the race, help promote the brand. So it was an obvious tie. I mean, obviously, Warren's a member of the team anyway. So, mm -hmm. um, so the team members haven't really changed a little bit. We've, we've, one thing we've always struggled with our team is that we, because we don't have much money, we and everyone works kind of, you know, pretty much full time. That yeah. we're not like a Seagate or Columbia that can really all of us can take seven or eight weeks off a year and go and race. We're not. We don't have yeah. that luxury. Um, we basically have to work around people's the fact that most people can only really afford to take two or three weeks off a year, which means only we can only really have, you know, do two. Each person can probably only do two races a year. I'm a bit different. Mm. I've got a bit more flexibility with my time. Um, and then the fact that we're kind of some of us are in England and some of us are in New Zealand doesn't make it that easy. So <laughs> we don't have, yeah, don't have the most cohesive team setup, which is a shame. But this, it's just where we are, really. And we all enjoy racing with each other, but we just can't all... We can't have a hardcore four that can go and spend six, seven weeks a year racing together. Just It's never going to yeah. happen. So, um, yeah, and we've, you know, we've had more... We've had people come into the team who have then decided not to come in the team. We've had a few people who have been really injured. Tom, our, our lead navigator, really smashed his knee up last summer. So he mm -hmm. hasn't... Or was it the, sorry, the summer before, actually. So he's been injured for pretty much 18 months. Um, so we had to find a replacement for him. So we've kind of just 
our team's always been a little bit. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> we had a little dog thing go on. <laughs> this is my mom's. This is my mom's dog. <laughs> and Chili oh, okay. is. So, yes, you're okay, Taffy. <laughs> okay, go on, Taffy. Go on. So, yeah. So my Chili's here, and Chili gets a little. I don't know. It's Taffy's house, but Chili thinks it's hers. <laughs> So, um, okay. So, uh, so navigator back to Tom. Yes, that's where we were, right? <laughs> We've kind of been in flux a little bit, so yeah. But we hopefully Tom's getting over his injury now. I spoke to him today actually, and um, yeah. I mean I think what we're end up our call team will be me and Tom, and then it'll be Warren and then Sarah, Sarah Fairmaid, who is mm -hmm. who again we wanted to race with Sarah a couple of years ago, but then and she was she was. You know, really keen, and then she got pregnant, so we kind of that kind of knocked the that plan on the head a little bit. Um, yeah. So we kind of we were racing with a girl called Sally for a while, but she's got had an injury as well. So it's just we've just had one of those moments where it hasn't a team hasn't quite gelled. But hopefully, I mean, I think you know, for myself, Warren, and probably Tom, we've got a few more years left in us, not a lot more yeah. years. So we want to kind of you know do, have two or three more years of good racing, and I think Sarah. Is really strong and she's she's younger than us, but she's not a lot younger than us. Um, mm. And you know we've all got. I mean, Tom doesn't have kids, but I've got three kids. Warren's got three kids. Sarah's got two kids. We're in quite a different life stage from some of the other teams as well. I mean, I know Nathan's got three kids, but Jude, Chris, yeah. Sophie, they're all you know they've got no kids. Uh, none of the techno guys have got. I mean, Rob's actually Rob's got a, a young child. Yeah. Rob Preston, but the rest of them haven't got kids. None of the Columbia guys have got kids. Um, oh, actually, no, sorry, John has got kids. John's got two kids. But I think they're kind of in a different life stage than us, so we are definitely the older the older generation. But I think that yeah. what we have got is a lot of experience, and yeah. that definitely shines through quite a lot. And we're, and we're pretty decent navigators as well. So, um, so, yeah, but that's really where we are with the team. I mean, it's exciting to have a new sponsor. We've got a nice new website, um, and... You know, we're hoping next year, 2016, will be a really good year, and and we're um, you know, we're going back to Patagonia, which is our a, a great race for us. We've always done very well out there, and then really enjoy it. Um, we're going to go and do the race, the Itera race in what in Ireland, um, mm -hmm. which again is home to turf. You know, we've always done well in that race. We're definitely good to Australia to the World Champs, and we're probably going to do one more race next year as well, probably the race in Paraguay. Um, so um, yeah, that's kind of the plan at the moment. Yeah, sounds sounds interesting. I keep telling Warren that he probably needs a media guy that lives somewhere between England and New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I know it's not <laughs> ideal, and it can be quite complicated. Kind of, um, you know, it, it just about works, but it's a twelve-hour difference does make it. I mean, either. One of us has just woken up and is wide awake, and the other one's half mm -hmm. asleep, so about to go to bed, or yeah, you know, and vice it, versa. But yeah, it, I mean, it works well. We've all known each other so well, and we have raced with each other a lot. But it's not too much. But it's not an ideal scenario. And I, what seems why Seagate have been so so strong over the last four or five years because apart from them all being brilliant 
athletes on their own accord. They've raced together so much as well. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I know Stu's a relatively new member to the team, but he's got loads of experience. But they race yeah. together a lot. They're all from the same country. They normally arrive and travel together. Um, you know, they've got all the kit well organized. And they've also got Chris, who's an amazing navigator, plus Stu, yeah. who's a brilliant navigator. So they're a really hard team to beat. I mean, I think I think Hagloss are the team to beat, you know, depending what happens to Seagate. I'm pretty sure you'll see a Seagate team in Australia at the World Champs. They've got free entry. It's easy for them to get to, so I'm, I don't yeah. know. I don't think racing will, uh, Nathan will be in the team, but I think Stu, Sarah, and Chris will um, will definitely race, and they just get someone else to, to fill Nathan's shoes, basically. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. You know, I've talked about Nathan and Chris, and Chris almost is kind of like a little bit. They're they're losing their sort of their anchor and guy that did all yeah. the work <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see how that that does pan out in the next year yeah you do so. i mean you do i mean i feel like a bit like that role in our team you do need someone who's got that drive and that who who makes that initial phone call and say come on guys let's go and do this race and kind of yeah. keeps the ball rolling and i know mm -hmm. nathan's obviously been doing that and when you haven't got someone in the team doing that you kind of you know you can lose your focus and just get distracted by other things in life and 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 that will be the biggest challenge they probably got is actually saying like, come on guys, someone taking it by the scruff of the net, where it'd be Sophie, Stu or Chris, and yeah. saying right, come on, so let's go to Australia, try and win it again. It, it just needs someone to really sort of take the uh, take it by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, I think that's correct. Well, it's a good thing you got you. It's yeah, <laughs> good thing you yeah, got yeah. you, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, um. Let's see. Did I have anything else? <laughs> did I think maybe you did say this, but did you have fun at the Pantanal? Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it. I definitely did. I mean, yeah. we had a great team. Like I've raced with Guy, um, and he did a brilliant job. His navigating was amazing, he could, and his route finding and stuff was really good. And mm. he's good fun. He's a really nice guy to race with. Sarah was yeah. brilliant. Warren was great. I mean, we enjoyed it. We definitely enjoyed it. But it was just—it was a bit frustrating that it just—it could have been really good, and it just—it yeah. wasn't that really. They really—they just needed to make it two days shorter, just cut out a couple of the legs. And yeah. I mean, the heat definitely—a lot of the some of the stages, but in the, especially in the heat of the day, you were literally just surviving. You were just wow. going right. How can I keep cool? <laughs> what can I do? Anything that I can get my temperature down Did by you one get degree. Trouble with the new yeah. Girl. So that no. that it was hard to really enjoy it when you were that in you were that hot. That that it made it difficult. But that wasn't really the fault of the race. It was just really no. hot. Um, so, but no, generally, and the, the sunrises, the sunsets were amazing. The animals were amazing. Yeah, so I definitely come away with a positive. Positive experience for the race, but um, no. it was just frustrating because it could have been really good, and, it, and, it, and they they just made a few sort of howler mistakes, really. So, cool. All right. Well, it looks like maybe it's bedtime for you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you definitely could get so. it, hopefully exhilarated. But I was going to say, so. um, it'd be good to do something close to the Patagonia race because um, either before yeah. or definitely after the race because that's a great event and i don't know yeah. have you covered the patagonian race much i haven't been there um my wife paulette's been there twice 
and it's kind of like oh, wow. oh, I just can't just can't just hasn't happened <laughs> so but yeah. yeah we'll we'll definitely chat because yeah um, there is always I like, stories after that race that's what yes I, that, it is I mean that probably is my favorite race I love it it's not it really suits me personally the sort of the, the, the pace and the format of the race and um it's just the scenery is spectacular. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is. And you really do feel like you're having a true adventure. So, sweet. Proper, proper yeah. But, yeah, we'll do that. Maybe if we don't chat before, sure. we'll, yeah, we'll catch up after and see. Yeah, sounds Hear good. the stories. All right. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for the chat. Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime, Randy. You're doing a great job. It's great to hear all these, you know, interviewing all these people. It's kind of, making everything quite cohesive. I think the sport's probably not in the best place it's been for a while, so I think it needs a bit of a kick up the bum, and then it, if we can all involve and do our own little things in our own little ways, yeah. it all helps kind of keep the momentum going and hopefully get new people into the sport, which I think we're desperate for. Yeah, that's, I that's I think, is the big thing right now, is where where's the, the new blood coming from? Yeah, where are these new teams? Where's the Where's the next team that's pushing, pushing us, pushing Columbia, pushing Techno? You know, where are these teams? And they're just not there. They're yeah, not around. So. We, need some, we need some blood for sure. All right. Well, we'll just keep pushing away. That's all we can do, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. All right. Thanks for the chat. Yeah, you too. Take care, Randy. All the best. Good night. All right. Night.
resurrection Blaming their own nation for who wins elections They've never contributed a fucking thing The country they love to criticize Is the absence